0: Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season Two. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear... From all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. Psychological, mental health, or legal advice, you should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. We could not get into the juiciness of Steve's story from last week, especially in terms of his mixed cultural experience while in the foster care system, so I divided this segment up into two parts. This is part two as we continue to explore what it is like for many mixed children in the foster care system. There is a lot known about what children experience while in foster care, mainly if one chooses to actively listen to these voices, the voices of children, the voices of teenagers, etc However, change is slow and sometimes has unintended consequences. So some of these unintended consequences have been experienced among children of mixed ethnic heritage. Most children in foster care System will have a multicultural experience because they will be forced to live with families unlike their biological parents. I will break this down in terms of race. Across the United States, if you look at just the numbers of children having contact with child protection agencies, this is what the data indicated from 2009 to 2019. 44% of children were Caucasian, With that being said, 23% African-American, 21% Hispanic, 8% multi-ethnic, 2% American Indian, and 1% Asian. Please keep in mind the census data for 2019 stats indicate that Caucasians are approximately 76% of the population. African Americans are 13% of the population, whereas Hispanics are about 18%. Multi-ethnic, about 2%, American Indian, 1%, and Asian, about 5%. Although I don't know how accurate these stats are because there are many factors involved in collecting this data, I know that if there are more Caucasians identified families, more Caucasian families will have or should have more contact with child protection. If things were fair. What I do know is if disproportionality exists within the child protection agency, then you will see the stats changing based on ethnicity, which is the case. There are less African Americans populated in the U.S., And when you compare the numbers, there are more African Americans actually coming in to or having contact with child protection. And this applies as well for Hispanic families. Children of color are more likely to get involved with child protection, especially for these African American and mixed children. And once involved, they are more likely to have their child protection case open longer than other ethnic groups. Therefore, if children enter into the foster care system, they are more likely to stay in out-of-home care placement as compared to Caucasians and even some other ethnic groups. And although there are high numbers of Hispanic children coming into the foster care system, their stay in the foster care system is less in comparison to African-American families. They're more likely to... Return back home, or more likely to be um, adopted, or under legal guardianship, where their case will close out. So let's get back to Steve's story. As you may recall, Steve, at the age of seventeen, was placed in foster care. I was curious how Steve self-identified and how he identified in the child protective system. Steve called himself mixed with all sorts of shit. And as I tease this out, his exposure was one of a mixed racialized experience. The child protective system identified Steve as African-American and not as multi-ethnic or bi-ethnic or biracial, whatever term can be used. We should not make assumptions but we should allow the other person to self-identify. This is his travels. In only a few months in the foster care system, which is a common experience for children, at the onset, Steve went into temporary shelter with other children. He remained there for about 10 or 11 days. And at that time, an aunt was identified for placement. This is what we consider a relative placement, Um, and it is typically known as best practices. Um, If you cannot return a child home to a parent, you want to at least identify families or close family members who would be able to care for the child. If you recall, Steve's mother was African American and his father was German. Therefore, it was naturally assumed that Steve would want to live with his Maternal aunt, Alfreda, who was African American as well. Now, Steve had some contact with Alfreda off and on during his life. He knew his cousins, which were Alfreda's children, but did not spend a lot of time with the family. Alfreda and most of the family identified as Christian and had a consistent religious practice. Steve soon came to realize that living in Alfreda's home pushed him further into a depressed state. It may have been assumed that because this family was African American that there were no concerns related to his mixed experience. There are times when all families get together and share stories, experiences, and talk about other races. Unless you are born mixed into these families, you may not know the hatred that lies deep, deep, deep within the family generational patterns. You see, they talk a lot about other races, including Caucasian people. There was some hatred um, for the former president. Um, they had some distrust in most governmental agencies, and police brutality was a headline topic with the Black Lives Matter movement in the two thousand and nineteen during these discussions, Steve did not feel he could connect with Alfreda and the family; he began to feel more shame about his mixed experiences and a conflict about how. White people treated black people historically in the U.S. Steve explained that just because he was mixed with black did not mean he felt safe being around black people. Most of his abuse was done by blacks. They were a lot of the perpetrators, a lot of the individuals who abused him um, were of African-American heritage. So there were some unconscious fears of shame, abandonment, and feeling disconnected. Steve was subjected to jokes about other races, which made him feel uncomfortable and ashamed at times. Steve reported things that upset him in his placement, including topics about his hair. He felt his cousins helped him with hair products, but it was overwhelming for him because they always wanted to touch braid, comb, or change his hair in some way. He was not ready for this type of intrusion. This placement didn't work out for a few reasons, so Alfreda put Steve in a car and drove him to the social worker's office. Steve went back into temporary shelter. Then he was placed in a foster home. However, this home only lasted a week or so. The foster parents were two self-identified Asian gay men. Steve knew little about this particular Asian culture and was not sure how comfortable he felt in their home. And I will say it was their home because that's what Steve's experience was. There were some positives. Steve expressed in terms of his racialized experience, the family was English speaking, but Steve struggled with communication. The use of language was problematic. He could not understand them at times and would often say to himself and would often stay to himself in his room. One of the foster f- fathers had a an accent. And at this point, Steve didn't care much. So staying in his room was something he preferred. On the other side, the Asian foster parents described him as depressed, self-isolating, and judged him without really understanding where these behaviors were coming from. Steve reported in his home, they ate a lot of Asian-type foods. He He had tried many dishes before and he would reference things like Panda Express or your local Chinese fast food restaurant restaurant, but this was different. They cooked a lot of food. So for the most part, he ended up eating cereal and sandwiches. The foster fathers during this time had a tragic family loss and decided that they could not keep Steve in their home. The social worker was contacted and within a few days, Steve was removed from their home. Then Steve ended up in a relative familiar community with a foster mother from Spain. There were other teenagers there at different times coming in and out of the home. So he enjoyed some of these interactions. Lucia, the foster mother, was described as friendly and fun. He enjoyed uh, going to Spanish events with her. And after about three months, Steve felt more comfortable and he would share parts of his story with Lucia. He started to feel safer. He started to trust her. He disclosed various forms of abuse and just some experiences living on the street. I suspected Lucia was not prepared for these stories and started to make her own judgments about Steve. Steve noted small changes. She would be on the phone and he could hear her talking in Spanish. He suspected she was talking about him. She started to put things away in the house, like silverware, and said he had to use the same cup and plate or bowl. She would no longer take him places with her in public. Steve felt, once again, language was being used as a form of abuse. This made him feel bad. And although Lucia may or may not have been talking about him during her phone conversations, Steve heard Spanish words that involved a racialized experience and reaction in him. The last few days before Steve left this placement, Lucia just stopped talking to him altogether and watched him like he had or would commit a crime. At least this was his feeling. There may have been a few more placements, but eventually Steve ended up in a group home. There were children and staff of various ethnic groups. He got into trouble with his peers in the group home, which was what typically happens for young people. He learned how to navigate the staff and the people coming in and out of the house. This was a familiar experience to him because it reminded him so much of his experiences being homeless Steve was, or at least had some comfort, some familiarity in this environment. There were some of the things I noticed. These were some of the things I noticed, but Steve did not appear to be consciously aware or concerned about them at the time. One, Steve never went to an appropriate place to address his hair and ways to care for his body hygienically. There was a court order at one point for him to get a haircut. The group home took him to a barber to get a basic cut. But keep in mind, this is one time, and getting this um, was a little complicated because it can't—it didn't happen automatically. It was a process, although it was essential. Although it was an essential haircut. um... But it still wasn't done by someone who specialized in knowledge of cutting mixed hair. And you need a good barber for this. You just can't go anywhere. Steve was provided a few clothes. And I'm not sure how this was related to culture as much as the challenges with being in foster care. But it was clear that he was different. On a few days, and especially when he went to school, he continued to have mild to moderate body odor at times. Male staff at the group home would talk to him, but not in a language using kind of a common experience and dialect and tone that could encourage Steve to be more consistent with his hygienic practices. I celebrated Steve's 18th birthday with him for many reasons. First, I asked Steve what he wanted to do. I learned in working with Steve that you should not mention someone's birthday before the date because it was bad luck. This was part of his memories of having a German father. So after... Some time, we decided to eat a German sausage, rice, and peach cobbler. And I got him a 23andMe kit that we did together and reviewed the results. My time with Steve was not long. It was only a few months. However, this is the experience of many children in foster care. They go from one provider to another, just like they move from one placement to another. Just like they are expected to live in someone else's home that is unfamiliar, different, uncomfortable, and scary. And on the surface, they tell you, kids all the time may tell you that things are okay. But because of these poor attachments, lack of trust, and repetition in traumatic experiences, this is all a part of the abuse and neglect. As children, we expect them to express their needs verbally. And when they have concerns, to talk about them as if they need to be more mature than most adults that we know. However, mixed children do not speak about their experiences. Most adults dismiss it, don't listen, avoid, and just ignore it altogether. I've had many conversations about Steve and his racialized experience. Yet, I was the only adult in his life that did. This is why I decided to spend time making the two episodes. Ignoring a conversation does not mean it does not exist. Ignoring a racialized experience contributes to the emotional abuse of many children, not just those identified as mixed. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others like below and subscribe to my channel i will end by saying the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself ancient comedic proverb